Welcome to On Fire. This is the On Fire podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Allen. Back in 2012, my mom forwarded me an article about self-publishing books on Amazon. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of tell you, give you some background. The typical way to get a book published is, is to convince an agent that you're a capable writer and then produce a manuscript that your agent can shop to publishers. And if a publisher decides uh, that your book is not only well-written, but uh, that it potentially has a large audience and will make them as a publisher money, uh, they would agree to, to publish the book. Um, when Amazon introduced self-publishing, they provided a, a viable avenue for authors to take their work directly to consumers without agents and, and publishers having to be involved. Um, I never had the, the desire to be a full-time author, to do that as a living, but I've always enjoyed writing. I, I took a, a creative writing class in, in junior high and I liked it. And I, I found that I had at least somewhat of an ability to uh, des describe a character's uh, thoughts and feelings and actions through the written word. And it's kind of funny, but I didn't, I didn't really care much about my grades in school, but I found that my English grades were always uh, far better than, than math and science. Um, but writing creatively is, is closely related to, to acting, which I was very interested in as a youth. And, and so my creativity kind of spilled over into different arts. I enjoyed uh, singing and acting and oil painting and, and writing. And my grandfather, his name was Wayne Lynn. Uh, he worked for the church and uh, he was an, as an educator and, uh, and an author. Um, he was much more talented than I am, but uh, maybe he passed something on, on to me. Uh, so anyway, I, I've enjoyed writing, had a, a minimal experience uh, growing up. But uh, but anyway, when, when my mom sent me this article, um, it got me thinking about the prospect of, of writing a novel that I could publish on Amazon without having to become a professional author. And that's kind of what my mom was inviting me to do, to, to, to give that a try. So I decided to, to try that. And I, I really had no idea how difficult a project it would be when I, when I began. If I would have, I probably wouldn't have done it, honestly. Uh, but to to begin with, I had to decide what kind of, of genre I wanted to write in. I had to decide uh, what audience I wanted to write to. I had to decide uh, whose perspective the story would be told through. Um, I had to decide whether to write in the present or past tense and all, a bunch of other things. All, all these things had to be decided before uh, really even getting started. Or I could start one way and then decide I didn't like that and, and change uh, to something else. Um, but after reading um, a number of, of popular young adult series like um, like the Hunger Games and the D Divergent series, the Twilight series, a bunch of other other stuff uh, that I read to kind of get a hang of the genre and, and, and kind of how to write that way. And, and so after doing that, I decided I would write uh, kind of a dystopian young adult fiction that takes place in the future. I wanted I wanted some romance in it. I wanted lots of action and combat, and um, and kind of wanted it to 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 mean something and, and kind of say something politically and spiritually, and and characters that readers would would care about and, and would root for. Uh, so I, I can't overstate really how much work putting this project together was, especially with a family and a church calling and a full time job. Um, as, as I would get to a certain situation in the story, I would have to stop and research things like the anatomy of, of the human brain or how to keep yourself warm overnight in the woods with no sleeping bag or how to make a fire without any 
uh, without any any fire making, you know, a lighter or, or matches or something, or how to how to purify water in the wilderness, what it feels like to to experience a gunshot wound, or what it's like to break the sound barrier in an aircraft, and and dozens of other things uh, that I just didn't know and would get to that point in the story and have to have to stop and research that. Um, and I would write exclusively in the evenings uh, when my wife and kids had gone to bed, usually just for an hour, maybe two. Uh, but when ideas were really flowing or I wanted to finish a chapter, um, I'd find myself still going in the wee hours of the morning and, and not getting enough sleep. Um, and then when I had had a few uh, chapters uh, written, I would send it to my parents and my sister-in-law, uh, and they would read a few chapters and, and read whatever I had written and, and and give me some feedback and some ideas on those as I went. But it took me the better part of a year to finish the original manuscript. It was about 93,000 words, which is about 350 pages with, with a larger print. Uh, so once that manuscript was complete, I found a talented editor in my ward uh, who agreed to, to help me for free. And she would read my manuscript a, a chapter at a time and then return it to me with lots of notes and grammatical corrections and uh, and, and things, uh, different ideas for the, me to improve it. And going back and forth this way took months and months and, until we finally felt like we had addressed all the spelling and, and grammar problems and continuity problems and story, fro story flow problems and, and tons of other problems. <laughs> so I, I had actually been, um, or had, had I been an author, a professional author, this process would have been much more thorough and, and more time consuming, but it still took a, a long time to do that. So once that part and the manuscript and the editing were finally completed. I had to format it for printing and, and hire someone to to create a graphic designer to create a book cover and and like 20,000 more little details. And I, I finally uh, could could submit that to be published. Uh, the entire process took took just under or right around two years to complete. So now if, if you're interested in that, the book is titled Independence by Ryan Allen. It's still available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle, if, if anyone wants to check that out. Um, I intended to write a sequel or two, and I still I still might, um, but as I hope to have conveyed, it was a ton of work. And that's why, why I haven't done it, because it's so much work. Um, I, I was never really trying to make money with it. I just, and that's a good thing, because I, I haven't made money, um, but I wanted to produce something that readers would enjoy. And, and uh, I, I set out to write a legitimate novel even though I'd never written anything longer than short stories that were maybe two or 3,000 words before. And I wanted to achieve that goal, so I kept going until it was finished. Uh, and I, it was a cool experience, and I, I think it's, it's actually a pretty good read. Um, I, I love the characters in the story that that I created, and, and um, I reread re the book recently and thought of all kinds of things I would, would have done differently or could do or go back and edit it and make a second edition. I don't know. I could probably spend forever editing and tweaking it. Anyway, so why am I telling you all of that? I'm telling you about all this book. Well, I, I wanted to give you some idea from my experience what it takes to produce a book, what the process is and how many people are involved uh, and how long it takes. So you can have some context as you imagine Joseph Smith writing or actually dictating the Book of Mormon. So for nearly 200 years, many, many critics of the Book of Mormon have been trying to discredit it or to explain it away unsuccessfully. From the, from the very beginning of its existence, foolish men tried to explain it away. 
Um, the earliest critics claimed that Joseph Smith was illiterate and incapable of writing a book. Then they claimed that Joseph Smith had, had fabricated and written the entire book and that it was nonsense. And then when a substantial of, of intelligent or respected people had, had read it and believed it, they couldn't just dismiss it as, as the jumbled writings of, illiterate, of, of an illiterate young man anymore. Um, it inspired people in the way the Bible did and, and was written in a similar way uh, that the Bible was. So they concluded that it must have been written by by a, a highly educated priest or pastor, and that's who had written it. Uh, they couldn't find anyone that fitting that description to attribute it to, and so uh, so they then uh, they then claimed that Joseph had plagiarized it from a novel manuscript that was written by a man named Solomon Spalding. Now, Solomon Spalding was a pastor who had passed away b before the Book of Mormon was was published. He had, had allegedly written a novel, and, and the claim that they made was that Joseph Smith had stolen that manuscript and basically just put his name on it, didn't do anything to it, just scratched out Solomon Spalding, put in Joseph Smith, and and that's and that was what the Book of Mormon was. Um, so that absurd claim was believed and repeated for decades all over the country, all over the... Uh, Europe and and then uh, years later the actual Solomon Spalding manuscript was discovered and it wasn't even remotely similar to the Book of Mormon uh, so they had to kind of to give up on that even though I, I've still seen that in in uh, anti-Mormon criticisms which is just just sillier than silly um, and more recently there have been other uh, really deceptive claims uh, that the Book of Mormon was plagiarized from other 19th century sources as they as they cut and paste and and doctor it. Anyway, all of these all of these criticisms and explanations have been leveled, and these have all every one has been proven false and ridiculous. After all this time, because of the overwhelming evidence that the Book of Mormon was actually dictated by Joseph Smith, honest critics have to admit that he somehow produced it. With with the Joseph Smith Papers project, we now have a very large sampling of Joseph Smith's actual writings, and not to belittle the prophet, but any serious person who reads these writings of his has to conclude that the Book of Mormon is far beyond Joseph Smith's capacity to write, or really anyone else's. Uh, the evidence that the original manuscript was written uh, by scribes from a dictation is also obvious. So the only thing left to conclude is that Joseph Smith actually dictated the Book of Mormon in about 90 working days. And there are various theories about how he was able to do that, that he was in some sort of a trance or that uh, that the devil inspired it or whatever. But at least those are closer to to the truth that it actually was was dictated by him. So with all of that, I would like to, to share uh, with you an article called The Challenge of the Book of Mormon. Uh, this is expanded by one of my favorite authors, John Pontius, from a talk by Elder Hugh B. Brown and the teachings of Dr. Hugh Nibley. Uh, and this is from a book called Journey to the Veil 2 by John Pontius. So really, this is kind of uh, compiled by the three of those. Uh, you had a talk by Elder Hubie Brown. You have the teachings of Dr. Nibley, of Hugh Nibley. And then John Pontius kind of expands uh, what, what they had, or what was put together by Elder Brown and then uh, adds to it. Okay, so th this is an assignment or a challenge given to anyone hearing this podcast who cares to give it a try. I would personally love to read any any attempts uh, you can email them to me if, if you if you do this, which 
Um, I assume I wouldn't hear from you for probably a number of years. Okay, here's the criteria. I'm going to list off the criteria that you would need to follow to, to complete this challenge. Number one, write a, historic, write a history of ancient Tibet covering a period of 2200 BC to 400 AD. Why ancient Tibet? Because you know no more about Tibet than Joseph Smith or anyone else at that time knew about ancient America. Okay, number two, you must be 23 years of age. Number three, you must have no more than three years of formal education and must have spent your life in a backwoods farming community. Number four, your book must be over 500 pages and over 300,000 words in length. So it's got to be more than three times the size of the book that I wrote in two years. Um, number five, your history must be written on the basis of what you know already. There was no library or published works on ancient America for Joseph Smith to reference, so you must use none for your book. There is to be no research of any kind. Number six, other than a few grammatical errors and corrections, you must make no changes in the text. The first edition you dictate to your secretary must stand forever. That's unfathomable to me. Uh, number seven, as you dictate to your secretary, you may not make corrections to your text. You may not ask to have the last sentence or paragraph reread. When you stop for a break, even for days, you may not reread your manuscript to pick up where you left off. Number eight, this book is to contain the history of two distinct and separate nations, along with histories of different contemporary nations or groups of people. You must describe their religious, economic, political, and social cultures and institutions. You must cover every phase of their society, including the names of their coins, weights, and measures. Number nine, you must change your style of writing, word choice, and phraseology many times to make the book appear to have been written by several authors, since you will claim that many ancient authors contributed to the book, each with his own style and word print. After publication, computer analysis must determine that there are multiple authors of your book and that none of your book resembles either your own writing or writers from the period in which you live. Number 10, you will weave into your history the religion of Jesus Christ, the pattern of Christian living, and the Mosaic law. Number 11, you must claim that your narrative is not fiction at all, but a true and sacred history. Number 12, you must include in your book 54 chapters dealing with wars, 21 historical chapters, and 55 chapters on prophecy and visions. Everything you write regarding visions and prophecies must agree meticulously with the Bible without being able to reference it. You must write 71 chapters on doctrine and exhortation. And here again, you must check every statement against a flawless memory of the Bible, since you can have no resource documents, or you will be proven a fraud. You must write 21 chapters on the ministry of Christ and everything that you claim he said and did, along with every testimony you write in your book, must agree with the New Testament, even though you may not reference it. Number 13, many of the facts, claims, and ideas and statements given as truth in your writings must be entirely inconsistent with the prevailing beliefs of the world. Some of your claims must prove to be the direct opposite of the prevailing worldly beliefs, but actually, but eventually be proven true with the passage of time. Number 14, included in your, narr in your narration will be authentic modes of travel, whether or not those ancient people used fire, descriptions of their clothing, crops, animals, roads, war strategies, mourning customs, and types of government. You must invent about 280 new names 
that will stand up under scrutiny through the years as to their historical roots and derivations. Number 15, you will have to properly use figures of speech, similes, metaphors, narrations, expositions, descriptions, oratory, epic, logic, lyric, and parables. Although uneducate, uneducated, you will have to mimic ancient writing styles and format, including subtle chiastic and poetic structures. Number 16, you must invite the ablest scholars and experts to scrutinize your text with care, and you must strive diligently to see that your book gets into the hands of those eager to prove it a forgery and those who are most competent to expose every flaw in it. Number 17, through investigation, scientific and historical evidence, and archaeological discovery for the next 175, now this was written a few years ago, so 193 years now, your critics must verify your claims and prove detail after detail to be true, for many of the details you put into your book are still buried beneath the soil of Tibet and won't be discovered until after your death. Number 18, you must publish it to every nation and people, declaring it to be the word of God and another witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who read it must come closer to Christ as they do so. Number 19, the book must not contain any absurd, impossible, or contradictory statements. Your history must not contain any statement that will contradict any other statement elsewhere in the volume. Number 20, many theories and ideas as to your book's origin must arise, but after an examination of all the facts, and the, the theories must all fail. You have claimed that your knowledge has come from a divine origin, and this claim must continue to stand as the only possible origin and explanation. The strength of this explanation must not decrease as time passes, but actually must increase to the point of being the only logical explanation. 21. Your record is to fulfill many Bible prophecies, even the exact manner in which your book shall come forth, to whom delivered, its purpose, and its accomplishments. 22. You must call down from heaven... You must call down from heaven an angel in the middle of the day and have him bear witness to four honest, dignified citizens of your community and the world. The witnesses must remain steadfast in their testimony, not for any profit or gain, but under great sacrifice and severe persecution, even to their deathbeds. You shall put their testimony to the test by becoming enemies to these men, and yet have them never recant their words. 23. Thousands of great men, intellectual giants, national and international personalities, and scholars for the next 193 years must accept your history and its teachings even to the point of laying down their lives rather than deny their testimony of it. 24. You must include in your record this bold promise. And when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if you shall ask with a, with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Number 25. Millions must bear record to the world for the next 193 years that they know your record to be true because they put your promise to the test and found it to be so by the power of the Holy Ghost. 26. Over 80,000 salespeople at a time must be so convinced of the truth of your book that they gladly give up two or more years of their lives to take it to all parts of the world for distribution. They will not only pay their own way during these two years, 
but return bearing testimony that their time spent is one of the highlights of their <clears throat> of their lives they must receive nothing for their journey and efforts but the joy of having shared your book with others 27 your book is not only to raise the standards of millions of people but it but is to be written in such a way that many of those people become the great moral ethical and dynamic marvels of their day number 28 to substantiate your claims you must for the next 20 years watch those friends who follow you your family and your dearest loved ones to be persecuted driven time after time from their homes beaten tortured starved frozen and killed tens of thousands must undergo the most extreme hardships in your presence just because they believe your cl your claims concerning the origin and content of what you have written to be true number 29 you must gain no wealth from your work but often lose all that you have like those who believe your false claims you must submit yourself to the most vile persecution after 20 years of this you must give your own life in a brutal manner for your testimony concerning your book all this you must do willingly and without remorse maintaining to the death your false claims number 30 start right now and produce this record which covers 2700 years of history doing it not in the peaceful atmosphere of your community but under the most trying of circumstances which includes being driven from your home several times and receiving constant threats upon your life after your book is completed, talk a friend into mortgaging his farm to raise the money to have it printed. 31. Do all of this in under 90 working days. Ready, set, go. That's the end of the challenge. Good luck to you. To me, it is absolutely absurd to have read it and still believe that the Book of Mormon is anything less than what it claims to be. And I don't believe honest people do that. Evil and faithless men and women have, have had nearly 200 years to provide an alternate explanation for the Book of Mormon's origin or, to, or prove it a fraud, and they have failed miserably. The reason for their failure is because it is, an, it is impossible to explain away. It will never be done. It can't be done. In one of, the, of his most magnificent, I think, general conference addresses, called Safety for the Soul. This was in October of 2009. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said this, quote, for 179 years, and again, I mentioned it's now 193 years, this book has been examined and attacked, denied and deconstructed, targeted and torn apart like perhaps no other book in modern religious history, perhaps like no other book in any religious history. And still it stands. Failed theories about its origins have been born and parroted and have died. From Ethan Smith to Solomon Spaulding to deranged paranoid to cunning genius. None of these frankly pathetic answers for this book has ever withstood examination because there is no other answer than the one Joseph Smith gave as its young unlearned translator. In this I stand with my own great grandfather who said simply enough, no wicked man could write such a book as this and no good man would write it unless it were true and he were commanded of God to do so. I testify that one cannot come to full faith in this latter-day work and thereby find the fullest measure of peace and comfort in these our times until he or she embraces the divinity of the Book of Mormon and the Lord Jesus Christ of whom it testifies. 
if anyone is foolish enough or misled enough to reject 531 pages of a heretofore unknown text teeming with literary and Semitic complexity without honestly attempting to account for the origin of those pages, especially without accounting for their powerful witness of Jesus Christ and the profound spiritual impact that witness has had on what is now tens of millions of readers. If that is the case, then such a person, elect or otherwise, has been deceived. And if he or she leaves this church, it must be done by crawling over or under or around the Book of Mormon to make that exit. In that sense, the book is what Christ himself was said to be, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, a barrier in the path of one who wishes not to believe in this work. Close quote. Not only do the divine origins and authenticity of the Book of Mormon stand to reason and logic, God has promised to provide spiritual evidence. How truly amazing is that? I invite you, if you haven't already done so, to make a serious study of the Book of Mormon and to seek through sincere prayer a witness from the Holy Ghost that it is true. If you've already done this, don't let a day pass that you don't read, study, or at least, at the very least, listen to an audio recording of the Book of Mormon. If you desire to strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Father, I can tell, I can tell you of, of no better way than this, coupled with frequent and sincere personal prayer. Like Elder Holland in his conference talk, which I hope you won't just read but watch, uh, or listen to in his own voice. Uh, like him, I want to make a public record of my testimony. I want it known to anyone with whom I have or, or will ever associate that I am a witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. It was inspired by God as it was written anciently. It was translated by a true prophet of God, by the gift and power of God. It is a true witness of Jesus Christ's existence, his atoning mission, and his divinity. It teaches his doctrine. It brings peace and power and knowledge to those who read and abide by its principles. It is true. I so testify with my whole soul in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.